0: From the wells of yore to the digital screens of today, the kids present the comic book character of the month. Welcome back, kids, and thanks for listening as we conclude our journey of Iron Fist, our character of the month for July, with the Immortal Iron Fist Volume 1, Number 1. But you know what? JJ and I went a little overboard here, folks, because we love this entire first story arc of the last Iron Fist story that we're bringing you, issues 1 through 6. And covering that arc. So that would be from November 2006 to July 2007. And welcome back, JJ, how are you?
1: Thank you, Angus. I am at the pinnacle of perfection, having achieved the 36th chamber. I'm ready to go.
0: Outstanding. So am I. So am I. And we have come on a series that happens to be one of my favorites. It's seldom that I will grasp onto a more modern take of a classic character. But I have to admit that what has been created here for Iron Fist and the immortal Iron Fist storyline is just great stuff. So let's get at it. Let's get into a little creative chatter about our writers and artists of the Immortal Iron Fist, Volume 1, Issues 1 through 6. We have a dynamic writing team and a dynamic artistic team. Our first writer Ed Brubaker. Ed is best known as a writer of comic books, often in the crime genre. He began his career writing and drawing in the alternative and independent scene. He produced Pajama Chronicles for Blackthorn Comics, Purgatory USA for slave labor graphics, and his partially autobiographical series, Low Life, which was serialized by Slave Labor and Caliber Comics. He received an Ignads Award nomination for his 1997 comic, At the Seams, which was issued by Alternative Comics, the publisher for which he also made one issue of Detour. Throughout the 1990s, he contributed to the Dark Horse Presents anthologies, writing among others, the graphic novels, An Accidental Death, and The Fall. From the mid-1990s, Brubaker was also working in the mainstream field, starting with the political satire Vertigo Visions. Prez smells like Teen President for DC's Vertigo imprint, with art by He then began a fruitful collaboration with artists Michael Lark and Sean Phillips, starting with the 1999 limited series Scenes of the Crime. Further DC and Vertigo credits include writing various Batman series, Gotham Knights, Gotham Noir, Turning Points, as well as Dead Enders, with art by Warren Pleece. Sandman presents Dead Boy Detectives and Gotham Central. Starting in 2002, he was present at DC's Wildstorm imprint with Point Blank and Sleeper and The Authority. Additionally working with Marvel from 2004, Baker has worked on Captain America, Books of Doom, X-Men, Uncanny X-Men, Daredevil, and Immortal Iron Fist. With Steve Phillips, he launched the creator-owned crime series criminal under marvel's
1: icon comics imprint joining him on the writing duties is matt fraction matt made his debut in the indie comic scene with works like the last of the Independents*, five fists of science and his continued creator-owned casanova series in 2006 He relaunched Punisher War Journal as well as co-wrote The Immortal Iron Fist with Ed Brubaker, staying with Punisher until 2009 and staying with Iron Fist until 2008. From 2007 to 2008, Fraction also wrote the series The Order, which sprung from Marvel's event The Initiative. He started on the Uncanny X-Men with issue 500 in July 2008. Fraction co-wrote his first Story arc with Brew Baker, the former on. Un- X-Men writer. In 2009, as part of his run of Uncanny X-Men, he wrote the first Avengers and X-Men crossover in 15 years, Utopia, a part of the Dark Reign storyline. The Invincible Iron Man marks a milestone for Matt Fraction. It is a series that won him his first Eisner Award, winning in the category of Best New Series. His run began in 2008 and concluded in 2012. In September 2010, Fraction won his first Penn USA Literary Award in Graphic Literature for his outstanding body of work. Fraction wrote for many Thor-centric books from 2010 to 2012, which included Thor and the Mighty Thor, as well as the 2011 event Fear Itself, a seven-issue limited series which Fraction has compared to Civil War. In December of 2011, he started a new Defender series that spun out of the events of Fear Itself. It was eventually canceled at issue 12 due to low sales. In 2012, Fraction launched Hawkeye with David Aja, one of the artists for this series that we're talking about here. Hawkeye was met with both critical and fan acclaim. Fraction gathered another Eisner Award win, this time for Best Single Issue, with Pizza Is My Business. Unfortunately, the series was plagued with a series of delays and eventually wrapped up with issue 22 in 2015. From 2013 to early 2014, Fraction wrote both Fantastic Four and FF, which ran alongside one another as sister series. The former attained generally average reviews, whereas the latter was met with much critical acclaim. Fraction was initially supposed to launch Marvel's big push for their Inhumans line of comics, where he would write Inhumanity and follow it with Inhuman. But Fraction soon fell off the project, only writing the two issues of Inhumanity. Charles Soule ended up taking over writing duties for Inhuman. His leaving Inhuman also spelled the end of his work for Marvel. In July of 2013, Fraction began writing his creator-owned image comic series, Satellite Sam, and concluded the second arc in September of 2014.
0: Wow, that is quite the dynamic writing duo. So let's swing on over to our artist team. Our first artist, David Aja. He was born in Spain and got his degree in fine arts from the University of Salamanca. He started working as a professional illustrator in Barcelona and two years later went to Madrid. He has worked for papers and magazines like El Pais, Cinemania, Rolling Stone, Revista 40, Blue, Jovín, Men's Health, Moi Extra, and others. He has also provided illustrations for publishers and books and has also worked in design and publicity, CD covers, and computer graphics with the multimedia artists Marcel Il Antonies. As a comic artist, he has worked for Marvel doing art on titles like The Immortal Iron Fist and short stories for X-Men Unlimited, Civil War Frontline, and Civil War, Choosing Sides, and Hawkeye.
1: Also appearing in this series is Travel Foreman. Travel Foreman gained attention with his work on Comic-X's Class War, where he replaced original series artist Trevor Hairsine. He quickly moved on to work at Marvel Comics, illustrating the Supreme Power spin-off miniseries Doctor Spectrum, and a juggernaut story written by Lee Barnett in X-Men Unlimited number 4. He has also worked on the Ares God of War limited series. He drew covers for Ms. Marvel and took over penciling duties from David Aja on the Iron Fist series. Foreman has also done work for DC Comics in their The New 52 relaunch. He initially provided art for Animal Man, working alongside writer Jeff Lemire before moving to Birds of Prey, where he again collaborated with Dwayne Swirzniski, who he had previously worked with on Marvel's The Immortal Iron Fist. He then drew comic books for Marvel Comics again, from the Ultimates to Civil War II, The Amazing Spider-Man. He has recently finished working on Tales of Suspense.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: It seems to me, JJ,
0: that we've got quite the pairing here on both the writing and art sides of the house. And no wonder this particular series has gotten so much very positive attention and the way in which this character had gotten rebooted for the purposes of the majority of comics readership. So with that, I would love it if you could provide us with a bit of context here because we've now jumped to 2006 from having really explored Four different issues between the origins of Iron Fist to Iron Fist number one, and then Power Man and Iron Fist being of the 1970s. What exactly has happened with this Iron Fist character between the 70s and 2006?
1: Well, basically a lot. So let's go into our Wayback Machine, and we're going to jump through time to get us as close as we can to the time in which these stories are taking place. When last we left off with Iron Fist, he had just teamed up with... Power Man also known as Luke Cage and the two of them had begun their budding career as heroes for hire. They actually were in their own series for quite a period of time. We left off on issue 50 and the series ended with issue number 125. Unfortunately this was a very dark day for Iron Fist. In this issue Danny died as he was pummeled to death by Captain Hero. Prior to this it was revealed that Danny, as Iron Fist, had contracted cancer. So perhaps this was a way for him to be seen as going out in a blaze of glory. Unfortunately for his partner, though, Luke was blamed for the death and on the run again.
0: Wow, we're going back to (laughs) two big tropes here. Plugging back into that trope from our previous episode of the exploitation storylines that seem to be coming up and up again and that is being on the run and then also here you've got the death of iron fist and how will we then go about resurrecting this fallen character exactly
1: so let's jump ahead a period of time and we're going to jump ahead actually to the early 90s and namor the submariner has his own comic And he actually runs into Iron Fist, who has been dead this whole time. Well, it turns out iron fist or danny rand who was running rand corporation at the time was none other than the super scroll impersonating danny so that he could use rand corporation for his own purposes and this all started in issue 16 of namor the submariner volume 1 series
0: wow when in doubt invoke the scrolls i love it
1: exactly so of course This led Misty and Namor to seek out to see if Iron Fist was actually still around somewhere. And they went out and actually found him to find out that he was a prisoner of the Hilithri. This race of plant-like being were actually introduced in Iron Fist Number 2. So... John Byrne was writing and drawing the Namor series at this time. And he goes back to his early days of being on the comic with Chris Claremont and pulls out a villain that he can use to re-inject Iron Fist into the Marvel Universe storyline.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. To be able to hearken back like that and then weave this bit to make this enable the current state of danny rand this way
1: that's pretty cool yeah because what ended up happening was the hillet were in fact creating a clone a plant clone of danny they had kidnapped him after his last visit to Kunlun and put this clone in his place it was the clone that was pummeled to death by captain hero which it's revealed to Namor in issue 25 that it was act captain hero was actually the super Scroll under the control of master khan ha <laughs> ha
0: okay i'm loving how this all comes into focus now
1: and leave it to a master like john byrne who was there at the beginning of iron fist and is able to pull all of these pieces together and resurrect a character in fiction in such a way that it while convoluted, can make sense.
0: Indeed, indeed. And of course, that brings us into the 90s with this character, JJ. So then what happens in the 90s to then lead us into this 2006 series.
1: Well, he was still pretty much a background character. There wasn't a lot going on for Iron Fist until right before this series takes off. We have in the Marvel Universe going on Civil War. This is the first Civil War saga that is taking place in the Marvel Universe. And what's happened right before we begin this new relaunch, The Immortal Iron Fist, Danny has been masquerading as Daredevil so that he can prove that Matt Murdock is not Daredevil. He's protecting his buddy Matt so that he can be free of persecution and reclaim his life. And that's what's happening right before we launch into this new Iron Fist saga.
0: Nice. And you know, that is a great way to into the saga because Civil War was such a huge event for Marvel at the time, really bringing a lot of attention to the Iron Man character and Captain America and that inherent conflict personality wise between those two, which and then obviously we get translated in its own way by the Russo brothers over to the big screen in the MCU with Captain America Civil War. So that comics event then naturally leading into this Immortal Iron Fist series was a great launching pad then to, I'd say, softly reintroduce the Iron Fist character.
1: Exactly. And what a great reintroduction it is. I'm ready to dive in. How about you?
0: I am too. I am too. So let's folks go into our exploration and discussion of these first six issues of the Immortal Iron Fist Volume 1 and the last Iron Fist story, which is is the story arc for these first six issues. This series' first story arc introduces Orson Randall, Daniel Rand's immediate predecessor as Iron Fist, who reneged on his responsibilities to Kung Long after suffering immense psychological trauma during the First World War. Randall, living in a drug-soaked Seclusion is pursued by agents of the Steel Serpent. Ah, so here we go. JJ Steel Serpent is emerging again. And the terrorist group Hydra jolted out of his decades long seclusion. Randall seeks out Daniel Rand in New York and gives him the Book of the Iron Fist. Hmm, JJ, is that a callback to a certain film that inspired this character?
1: I think it is, absolutely.
0: Yes, and this sacred ledger supposedly containing all the kung fu secrets of previous Iron Fists, which Randall claims will be necessary if Rand is to compete successfully in the coming tournament of the seven capital cities of heaven. The Steel Serpent, whose powers have been greatly augmented by Crane Mother, a ruler of another timeless city, quickly dispatches Randall in single combat. On the brink of death, Randall surrenders his chi to Danny, giving him sufficient power to battle the serpent to a standstill. After the battle, Rand is immediately summoned by his master, Yo-T.
1: This is an awesome series. And- what a great and cinematic way to relaunch the character into the mainstream and into the spotlight again.
0: Indeed, indeed. JJ, could you take our listeners through a tour of the main characters in the series to familiarize them as they are beginning to appreciate this immortal
1: Iron Fist? Absolutely. I'd love to. So the first one I want to talk about is Orson Randall, and you described him as the immediate predecessor to Danny Rand as the Iron Fist. So here we have all along in Danny's entire life somebody else out there with the power of the Iron Fist that he didn't even know about. This first six issues is actually his story Um, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind here. Even though we're going to see mostly Danny Rand as Iron Fist moving forward, this arc is really a transitional arc showing the end of one Iron Fist and the rebirth of another. Now Orson is very much a pulp hero. He comes guns ablazing, blazing firing two guns. His father is a member of a secret society and actually some sort of weird kind of proto-scientific society. They have a secret lair hidden under the subway with their own train system in there. Orson's father actually crashes into Kun Lun, and that's how Orson gets there in the first place.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is just so rich with new lore and mythos and just building on the already strong foundation of the Iron Fist legend and characters and really expanding the base and the breadth and depth of the character. Okay, I'm getting excited here. Let me let let you continue on. Let's get on to Danny.
1: Sure. So Danny is the other half of the equation. And here we have him really not much has changed. Danny is still trying to figure out who he is. In our first few episodes where we talked about Danny's desire for revenge and then coming out of that having to reinvent himself. Danny has always been in a position where he's constantly reinventing who he is. He grew up within the sheltered life of Kun Lun, destined to become the Iron Fist but not necessarily understanding what all that actually meant. And so he's constantly struggled for who he is. Now he's coming off of helping Daredevil by masquerading as Daredevil in order to help his friend. Here he is Taking off the costume of Daredevil and putting his Iron Fist garb back on, and really trying to struggle with well, who am I really? Am I this person that runs a corporation? Well, not really. The corporation just kind of runs itself. And as a sign of his coming rebirth and relaunch, he actually gets a new costume in issue three. His previous costume being destroyed at the end of the first issue when he. He fights the Mega Gorgon, a giant battle beast, mechanical battle beast that Hydra uses against him, and his costume's shredded. It's about time. I mean that that costume was not really pulling in. It was not really in the style of the uh, of today anymore. No,
0: indeed, indeed, it was not. And JJ, I would say that the re envisioning of Iron Fist was very much in the same vein as how all of the X-Men had been re-envisioned come the turn of the century here into the 2000s. You know, if you'll recall when those movies first came out, they really did an overhaul on what had been portrayed in the comics and making the costumes for even all of the X-Men more modern, that darker leather look and getting away from the bright vibrance superhero
1: colors of the
0: silver and
1: bronze age well i think it's important to always make sure that the character relates to its readership and that's incredibly important in a character who's been doing this for for 40 years and while the time in the marvel universe passes slowly It's important for us as we come at it to make sure that it's still resonating and hats off to the series that it honors everything that came before it, but refreshes everything in such a way as to make it vibrant, vital and interesting.
0: Extremely well said. I have to say I was extremely impressed with the reverential treatment for the past, but wholeheartedly embracing and adding on to the narrative that in no way shape or form detracted from any of the previous work that is not easy to do and the fact that they did it so well in this in this series really speaks volume to both the writer and artist teams here
1: absolutely absolutely now you can't have iron fist without Luke Cage. Here we get to see some great interaction between Luke and Danny. Danny trying to get back on his feet after having been defeated by the Mechagorgon and a a platoon of Hydra Goons and trying to regain his strength and heal his wounds. And it's it's a nice interaction, it's a comfortable interaction between Luke and Danny, where we get a sense of what's going on in the larger Marvel universe. We hear about the choosing of sides now this is all in reference to the civil war that's happening and clearly Luke is on the run he's not wanting to register Danny so far is on the same side as him but he gets a bit of bad news it looks like Misty is on the side that says hey you better register and he doesn't quite know what to do with that where is that going to go It's not long before we see the Daughters of the Dragon on the scene, and both Colleen Wing and Misty Knight both show up because they've still got Danny's back. Registration, no registration, doesn't matter. They have a relationship, they have history, and they're there to support their friend and hero.
0: Indeed, the ties that bind
1: are very strong here,
0: and loyalty is personal, and that comes through loud and clear. And JJ, I have to say I love what they did with both of those characters both the Misty and Colleen updating them and I've never seen them as strong as they are in this series they are really impressive characters and every bit the equals of Luke and Danny
1: they hold their own in a fight that's for sure if- Even when you've got hordes of Hydra agents rushing in, they don't flinch, they don't blink.
0: Some of the panels here, the one of Colleen Wynn with the katana in her hand, just slicing through Hydra agents like a hot knife through butter is just awesome. Great stuff.
1: Well, we'll have plenty to talk about when we start talking about the art, that's for sure. So the last character we should touch upon is Davos. And we spent some time talking about Davos in our episode that focused on Iron Fist issue number one. And he only made an appearance there, but we talked about his timeline and how in Marvel Team-Up, his story unfolded. And there was a climactic confrontation between Davos and Iron Fist. And in case you haven't listened to that episode yet, Davos is a citizen of Kun and the firstborn son to the Thunderer, the trainer that trained Danny Rand to become the Iron Fist. And Davos was meant to be a candidate for the Iron Fist, but he lost to Wendell Rand that honor. Ashamed at his loss he still tried to battle the dragon and claim the power but ultimately only was able to gain for his effort a scar and a tattoo of a partial image of the dragon scar on his chest. At the end of the encounter in Marvel team-up we see Iron Fist and Davos who's going by the name Steel Serpent, battling for the power of the Iron Fist, and only Iron Fist is left standing. Now he's back. And he's back with a vengeance. This time, he's got the backing of the Crane Mother to help him out.
0: Yeah, this is a very strong reemergence indeed. And again, well conceived, lots of good backstory and explanation, a boosting up of his relevance in relationship to Danny and their history between the Rand family and Davos. O- outstanding outstanding re-emergence of this character. So JJ, what were your uh, initial impressions with regard to this story? I was just absolutely captivated and could not put these issues down once I got started.
1: I felt exactly the same way. And I think I remember even commenting to you after having read the first issue and it was late at night, I couldn't stop reading them and had to keep going to finish out the collection of this first story arc and said, Angus, we've got to talk about the whole thing. One issue is not enough in this case.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And I'll take the hit on that one. I just gave you a taste by only choosing the one issue here the the first of the series in order to kind of whet your appetite as to what you could expect out of this but indeed once you start this series you cannot put it down at least in completing a story arc in and, and mind you there's several story arcs that run throughout this entire series but these first six issues are fantastic yet setting the tone for the quality of the entire series And you know this can be a very slippery slope when you are resurrecting the relevance of a already well-established character. And the writing team and the artistic team here do a phenomenal job, like we said before, of reverence for the past while also incorporating new and exciting twists and expansion of the mythos and the story here you know it would be real easy to go back and retcon a character this character in particular fraught with claims of cultural appropriation and things of that nature but instead this writing team and artistic team decides to expand and go wide and i love jj the callback to the history of those who possessed the mantle of Iron Fist throughout the course of the existence of the title character and Kung Lung being in the consciousness of people.
1: Absolutely. So I think that in order to talk about the story and the impressions that I get from the story, I want to talk about it from the point of view that you experience as a reader. And there are multiple points of view which gives the reader a unique perspective to see all the moving pieces of what's going on. So the first thing we see is we see the story unfolding between the twin perspectives of Orson and Danny, the two Iron Fists. And we flip-flop, we go back and forth between them and get their perspectives on this. And at first they're separate entities until they finally meet and then they travel together. Also in each issue we get flashbacks to either an earlier incarnation of the Iron Fist or elements of Orson's life leading up to the present. And these flashbacks help flavor and give further depth and richness to the story as it unfolds. And the last piece is that as a reader, you're privy to all the machinations of Davos and Hydra as the plot continues to unfold.
0: Yes. And JJ, back to that previous point, which you bring up with respect to the flashbacks to the earlier incarnations of the Iron Fist, that was masterstroke, a masterstroke on part of this writing team to invoke that here and really blow this story wide open. I bought that Hulk line and Sinker and loved it to the point where I wanted actual series and spidering off on all of these individuals Iron Fist. And indeed, we get certain tastes of that with individual one shots throughout this series, if you end up reading the entire series. And those are quite enjoyable unto themselves. So they were really setting this thing up to live and breathe and expand over time in going back to the immortal Iron Fist character, all of the ones who had held that mantle, and really hashing out and putting some meat on the bones of who were those folks who held that mantle before and what exactly were
1: their trials and indeed well brubaker goes even further to introduce to us more of that history and mystique by showing us that there's not just one city on lun but kun lun is only one of seven celestial cities each of them ruled by an immortal sovereign such as ut the personage in jade and is defended by an immortal champion such as the iron fist what a cool concept
0: to throw in here to again expand or blow open the mythos even further And to add more intrigue to this, fantastic.
1: I I think the story itself was very fast-paced and with a nice balance of action and dialogue. And as I was reading it, it felt very episodic in much the same way as many action television series that I enjoy watching. And there were natural breaks and turning points in the story that gave it that feel.
0: Indeed, JJ. And I have no doubt that this series, The Immortal Iron Fist, was the spiritual blueprint, if you will, for the Netflix Marvel Iron Fist series, because there are so many different elements from the look to the mythos that is used throughout that series. And even in season two, the flashback to the footage of Orson here. And I have no doubt had a season three been greenlit for Iron Fist, we would have been going back to the Immortal Iron Fist storyline and introducing the Orson Randall character to Danny.
1: Yeah, it's a shame we won't get to see that, but at least we've got the comics to explore. So what a mind-blowing experience from a reader's perspective that you've read Iron Fist all these years and to suddenly realize that he was working under a limitation because somebody else had access to his power and now at the end of this series he's reclaimed all of that and has been given an instruction manual to say hey you know what the Iron Fist is just one manifestation of this Chi power. There were were previous incarnations that would light arrows of flame. Orson himself would channel the energy through the bullets that he would fire or use the energy to basically do a Jedi mind trick on a, an opponent, it's just so suddenly the roof has been blown open with all the possibilities that he can do, and yet it's the same character ready to step it up to the next level.
0: Whatever fraction and Brewbaker were drinking, eating at the time, seeking out as an inspiration for their muse, man, they tapped into some sort of amazing energy to come up with this. And do it as well as they did. I, again, I'm gushing too much. I just can't say enough with how well they handled adding on to, but not laboring at all, the existing mythos but really integrating, weaving, taking it, and making it feel like canon, like it's been there all this time. And now you as a reader are finally being enlightened
1: to what really was going on. I just, again,
0: great, great stuff. Really well done.
1: Absolutely. And I'm going to take it one step further. And there's a sense of yin and yang in the series. As it proceeds, you have Danny, who has always been a person of two worlds. He's a a child of Earth and a child of Kunlun. And he struggled with who is he, who am I? He has his mortal identity and he has his heroic identity. Well, now, understanding that his power has been shared between two different people and at the end those two are merged together through the power so that he can reach the next level and we've only covered one half of this in the sense that we've only talked about the story side and now we need to talk about the art side to give that balance back to the story
0: Oh my gosh, don't we ever. Wow. And JJ, I- I'm going to turn to you. Wh- where do we want to lead off on? I've got to gather my thoughts here. Do you have a direction where you want to take this? Because I've got so much to say.
1: Well, let's start off with David Aja's work. The line work reminds me a lot of Bill Sienkiewicz, the clean lines, very realistically rendered. It grounds the characters and their environment in reality. And we talked about this with John Byrne and Power Man and Iron Fist number 50. That realistic grounding of the characters in the environment is what help gives the story some more gravitas. What were your thoughts on that?
0: I agree with you. It it gives it massive gravitas. The realistically rendered hit the nail on the head. I'll also say this too, JJ, is this work here, and I'll hearken back to when Ray and I reviewed Lone Wolf and Cub. And I'm gonna go specifically back here to issue six in our Mortal Iron Fist series here for this storyline. And this was taken straight out of that tradition of the visual leaving the mind's eye of the reader to come up with what the actual gruesome scene looks like. You have the sweeping, and this is, here's the example, the sweeping motion of the katana by Colleen Wynn and this swoosh, you know, sound being written out there and the blood splatter coming off in her direction and hitting her in the face but you never see the actual katana behead the hydra agent that she has incapacitated and killed is classic out of those martial art films and comic tradition
1: i agree wholeheartedly and the it does it does go back and forth between showing you everything and showing you enough to let you put it together i think the more the action steps up the more you the reader is left to fill in the blanks but i specifically remember a beautiful scene where danny is making his way down the outside of a building the entire page is nine panels and what is rendered in those panels is the entire side of the building it's sort of broken up the the grid of the nine panels is kind of superimposed over the side of the building and you see danny flipping and gliding and jumping and leaping down the page so that it reads as one giant image but he's moving through it so you've got the superimposed sense of time over this page
0: And JJ, in the fine Marvel tradition, the first thing that came to my mind when I saw that sequence, because again, there's no dialogue, right? Purely visual, correct? First thing that came to my mind was Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., Jim Steranko's run. There is a sequence Of panels that opens up one of those issues where all it is is Nick Fury scaling a building. And it is so exquisitely rendered, beautifully put out there as a feast for the eyes. And I got the same type of feeling seeing that sequence that you just described right there in these panels. Just so well done and just let the panels speak for themselves
1: now i think it's important we often don't talk about color enough when we talk about the series but i think the color in this series is extremely important because it helps to set the mood and overall the entire series has a very muted color palette but they take it a step further and each scene has a specific color palette tied to what's going on. If you have a scene that's predominantly Davos, it has a purple tone to it. If the it's a scene with Iron Fist in his costume. It has predominantly green and yellow. So they're focusing on the character and reminding you who's prevalent in the scene, whose scene or whose perspective are we dealing with in this? And I think that those that those muted color palettes one as they change colors to help you navigate the scene changes, but they also just give the whole series a more serious and darker tone. We've moved away from the bright green and yellow of the 70s. And we've gone into some more muted forest green and dull yellows of the 2000s.
0: Yes. And I'll also add that not only do those colors correspond to certain characters and you as a reader, as you're taking in all these visuals, will know from panel to panel who's winning, who's on top who is actually taking you down the narrative, whether that is through dialogue or visual. But they convey to a huge amount of emotional depth through those color palettes that are used. Though the majority, as you bring out, JJ, are muted palettes, and this book and series takes on a rather darkish tone to it. It still through those colors conveys a certain weight that for me I just couldn't put my finger on it but I think you just perfectly right there described
1: I think that the series I think we have to talk about the different artists that lend their talents to the flashbacks we have multiple artists in every issue as the series goes on, because the flashbacks are done by a different artist to give it a different sense, a different weight, to give you that visual cue that you're not in the present. All of the present stuff has the same look and feel to it, but whenever we go into a a flashback, it's going to be different. It's a different perspective and a different look and feel to reinforce that and really help convey that sense of you're in a different time. And what a powerful way to do that and what a powerful way to communicate the sense and vastness of the time that the character has under its belt so to speak this has been a character i mean it's called the immortal type iron fist for a reason it goes back in time a great length of time and you want to get that sense of time throughout the book
0: indeed you absolutely do and it is jarring at some points, depending on who the artist was, to grab the reader's attention, then hello, pay attention, pay attention, because what we're about to reveal here is going to have direct relevance to the ongoing story in this particular issue. And again, another great choice to do that. The story plot, the writing, the artistic direction, and then the choices on the visual just all complementing one another so beautifully. And if I may, JJ, in these panels, and again, this this harkens back to a martial arts tradition within manga that I think is also respected here. In some of these panel action sequences, you don't get a hit-for-hit depiction of the action. What you get is a frenetic pace of action In the course of happening, which then is left for your mind to fill in the missing panels or parts to, but you get the full gist of what is going on and feeling fully immersed and under attack, just like Danny and Randall are.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think... To kind of sum it up, my approach to this, or my connection to this particular story, Immortal Iron Fist is a series that I want to read as an adult, that the adult me really loves. The series that we've covered in our previous episodes is the series that the kid me, really loves and so there's a lot of nostalgia associated with it but as an adult rereading those series there was a certain flatness when you compare it to the depth that you're getting in this story here. And for that reason, I would say that when we talk about our recommendations as far as audience goes, I would definitely say an older audience will appreciate it more than a younger audience. Only because of the particular approach that they take with the storytelling. The storytelling is broken up into these flashbacks and segments and different perspectives and it takes a little bit from a reader's perspective to pull all of those together into a cohesive story as it starts up. But once it all starts to come together, it makes much more sense. So our standard disclaimer as far as comic book violence goes, this is a little bit more graphic in the sense that we do see blood. There is characters that are killed in this. You presume that the combat with Hydra is lethal. But at the same time, it's not in-your-face gory renditions of beheadings and, you know, dismemberment. So, in general, I would say it still suits the all-ages comics approach. But I think older, so teens and up, will definitely appreciate it more because of the particular storytelling approach that is utilized in this series.
0: J.J., in the finest tradition of... Eastern philosophy, wanting to achieve harmony. I fully agree with your endorsement and say that this particular series achieves harmony in the following way with this comic. You can look at a single panel and accept it for what it is. However, you can also study some of these panels for several minutes and pick something new up with every bit of time that passes by. Very reminiscent of when I would look at some of the panels back on our Watchmen read, which were very dense. There are some panels here within this Iron Fist series that are quite dense with respect to the action that is happening and what the artists are trying to convey to the reader through that visual
1: story that they're displaying. As Stan would say
0: enough said enough said indeed enough said indeed jj and folks we hope you have enjoyed this epic journey with jj and angus here on iron fist we brought you first the origins of the character from marvel premiere to iron fist number one and establishment of iron fist's own series then on to the ultimate team-up of Power Man and Iron Fist, and now finally coming to the Immortal Iron Fist series. We would love to hear from you. Please leave us a message via the app or send us an email at kirbyskidspodcast at gmail.com. JJ, I want to thank you so much for being my team-up partner for this journey. This has been an absolute blast. Do you have any last words here for our listeners as we wrap up this series?
1: I have enjoyed this immensely, not only because of the nostalgia of going back to a character that I really enjoyed in my youth, but also rediscovering that wonder and looking at a more modern rendition of the character and seeing that and experiencing that enjoyment all over again. It's its too good to too good to, to a- ask for anything more. So I think that both you and I would love to hear from folks. You can join us on MeWe. Angus will give you all of our contact information. We'd love to keep the conversation going.